so I have no idea what episode we're on, so I'll guess I'll introduce the show. How do you introduce the show? <laughs> Alright, welcome everybody to the Screencast episode, because I don't know it. Um, I'm your host, Shonda Reger, and with me is Stephanie Crawford. Wait, I don't get to be Brad Henderson if you get to be Sean? No one wants to be Brad. Damn it, why am I even here? I, because I asked you to be, and I guess we're going to try to do this without Sean. If Sean does listen, I'm sure he'll have a great time laughing at us. Do you think he'll listen? No. Um, oh. So since Sean's not here, and he and the reason why Sean's not here is because he is extremely busy doing his vocal booth and his voiceover career that he is doing on the side. He will be back eventually. But we also didn't want months to go by without a new, a new episode or anything like that. So Stephanie has uh, agreed to do a show with me to go over uh, what's on your doorstep. We decided to do that since that's Sean's least favorite segment and he thinks that everybody hates it. We're just going to do an entire episode where we talk about everything that we've watched for the past six months, which is the six months is our last episode, correct? That's what it feels like anyway. <laughs> I don't even think it was a month ago, but... I don't even remember our last episode. What did we even talk about? It, that's interesting. It was vinegar syndrome. Oh, that's right. Yes, we did. Oh, did you like... Um, did you watch... Because uh, we were going to talk about you watching that one. I forget. Not, not Dear Dead Delilah. What was the Rape Revenge movie? Did you end up watching oh, that? Oh, uh, Deadly Daphne's Revenge. Oh, yeah. Did you like that? Because I thought I saw you say something along the lines where it wasn't as bad as you were told it was. Yeah. I mean, I built that up in my mind, partially as a coping mechanism and partially because I, I kept hearing from people. So I was expecting something really terrible. Um, and it's brutal don't get me wrong but it's one of those ones where it's uh the very notorious part is like bloop and the rest of it's like basically a hunting movie so yeah that's the one thing is uh, i think with a lot of um with a lot of movies we're almost uh not too judgy but i think we're very aware of things that are going on and times that are changing to where um, we're a little bit more sensitive than we were, you know, even five years ago. Um, Which is probably a good thing, because obviously we're becoming more aware. But yeah, when when people talk about that movie, I was like, well, it's not that graphic. Like, I I feel like there's a lot of movies in that kind of subgenre that go a little overboard. And I feel like that's one of the ones that tries to like kind of breeze by it real quick in order to get to the more action sequences, I guess. I don't know. But I think it's kind of overlooked anyway. I do like the movie. But did you like, did you say you liked it though? You enjoyed it? 
Unfortunately, I don't really have anything strong to say about it. It was... It's just there. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, It's a movie. All right. Well, we can get into our... Strong out the gate. Yeah. This show is really starting off with some praising. (laughs) Um, Well, you start off first because the first movie I have, I'm not going to be praising. So you go ahead. Who, me? Yeah, that's fine. I can't do that. Yeah. I'm never first. Well, that's because Sean's rude. Okay. Yeah, there you go. go. Um, I will uh, cover one that I recently got on Blu-ray. I used to own the DVD, and I had not seen in years, and that was Brian De Palma's Sisters. Ooh. From Criterion. And I had the old Criterion DVD. And I remember not loving it when I originally saw it. And lately I've been on a huge De Palma kick. Uh, He's one of those guys I've always liked, but there's been like 80% of his career that I never watched. And lately, um, well, I watched that documentary about him. And that's a good documentary because that made me nuts. I wanted to watch everything. So, um, the first time I saw Sisters, I think the only Brian De Palma movie I had seen was Carrie. And at this point, I've seen everything except, you know, a small handful. And I appreciated it a little more. It's definitely not my favorite. I wouldn't even say it's top five. But mm. it, yeah, it's... I, I, I wouldn't say top five either, but I, um... I like it, but yeah. No, I like it too. It's it's a very unusual kind of twist on the caper, and of course, you have to mention the Hitchcock homage. I don't always like to pin that to him because that's the easy thing, but it was very North by North, or not North by Rear Window. Yeah. In this one, um, no, it's it's weird, and but i don't know there's there's kind of a sense of fun about it just unraveling the mystery i really like that so no i'm really glad to own it and it looks gorgeous um but yeah it's it's kind of in the middle for me with his work yeah i'm i i think i hold it to a little higher regard because that's de palma's step out of comedy and more of his kind of mediocre comedies that he was doing um which arrow just released you know the the high mom wedding party and uh greetings i just received that but i haven't had a chance to watch it which yet. I, I do like the wedding party um but i feel like sisters was his i feel like that's when he was like you know what fuck it i'm going to do what i love and therefore, after that, we got Obsession and, you know, Carrie and, um, you know, Fan of the Paradise. And then I think the Palma, it's like his moment where they he, like, cut the, you know, kind of let the reins off and just kind of went wild. It's like his coming out party. Yeah. Like, this is who I really am, bitches. Yeah, no, I, I think that's what it was. And I think if it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure he would have done it anyway. But I think I think Sisters is that nice kind of padding to see where De Palma was going. Like I feel like if you were in the theater and 
you saw sisters, you were kind of like, okay, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. That's true. That and, and I feel, and maybe you know, it's almost like retrospect. You enjoy sisters more. I think, like as a new movie, if it was a first time direct, like a only, you know, a directorial debut and the only movie that the director did. It would just be whatever. But I think knowing it's De Palma and like you know, thinking back, like knowing his or his filmography now looking back and saying holy shit that was like you know when he completely went off the rails afterwards and just became like a true artist so yeah that's that's a great point i think it's just being so crazy about movies like blowout and just yeah i think it's one of those things i think like if you watch all of de palma's movies and then you go back and watch sisters you're like oh which is what happens yeah which is fine. I mean, it's still, it's, you know, it's definitely not, you know, like you said, top five. Um, but uh, it's, you know, De Palma's great, so. Plus Margot Kidder's uh, French-Canadian accent. You can't yeah. miss that. Anything Mar- Margot Kidder's in is great. She's, 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 uh, she always makes me laugh. Um, all right. So I had a completely different movie here. From De Palma, um, Dread Central's putting out, you know, some decent, decent flicks here and there, uh, and they had this movie called Lasso that um, I was very intrigued about because I saw a few people online that I trust say, "Oh man, you should watch Lasso." Mm-hmm. So I did. Um, I love the last thirty minutes of Lasso, but I feel it's kind of a a bore until it gets there. Um, Lasso's about a group of people that go to the countryside to watch, you know, this, uh, this guy's helping with the elderly and they take this bus with uh, all these elderly people and they go watch this show with cowboys and stuff like that, roping animals, everything like that. Um, so they're about to leave and, there's this kind of mass cowboy that comes up and ropes somebody in. And then all the old people start getting butchered um, by these crazy cowboys. And it's like, oh, shit. But then it just it's not as exciting as that sounds like it just it does that. And then it just kind of takes a nosedive again. Um, mm. It really kicks up the notches when you find out that the movie is really about these group of women that kind of band together to fucking kill all these redneck cowboys. Well, you're always a big fan of that. Yeah. And then it gets really good because it's like, um, you know, it's like an older woman. There's this, uh, there's this black lady that's involved. There's kind of like this smaller, like Asian girl that is helping out. Like, it's just, it gets really brutal, and they just start brutalizing these cowboys and fighting back and trying to survive the night. And that's what I really enjoyed, but it took so long to get there that it's hard to recommend, you know, hey, watch this movie, and for an hour it's kind of boring, and then it really picks up and it gets good. Yeah, that sounds amazing, but yeah, I can put in the time to get that kind of ending. Yeah, I mean... If you want to watch something that's fun for the last 30 minutes, then yeah. It's because it's it's hard not to like recommend it because it actually does end up getting really good. It's just it takes a while. So 
Anyways, yeah. Lasso Dread Central. That's their. I like how they number their titles. This is their ninth <laughs> release. You're one of those no- spine number suckers. Yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, the thing is, is Dread Central has put out a lot of great movies so far, so I'm okay with, you know, if I have to buy something that I'm maybe not a fan of. Um, for example, like this one. If I watch this, like you know, at the you know in a festival, where I um, rented it online. I may not buy it, but being it's numbered, <laughs> it got me. So, all right. What do you yeah, I don't, I don't have that at all. Like with the Vestron ones, they're ugly if you look at them. <laughs> if you just look at the numbers. Oh, they're so basic. Like yeah. One, six, fourteen. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I should apologize. I'm sorry. Well, as long as you said 14, because I'm a nut, and I know that's class 1999, so. Oh, God, I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do you got next? Well, I'm going to go off topic real quick. You know Cult of Chucky? Yes. That one was kind of the same way most people seem to like that. I was completely checked out through most of it. And then like maybe the last 20 minutes, that's what I wanted the entire movie. No, I I agree with you. I mean, I enjoy the movie, but yes, I completely 100% agree with you. Like the last 20 minutes of that movie kicked up like 20 notches. And then I wanted the movie to keep going, but it didn't. It ended. It, Yeah. I guess that's why we have sequels. So many sequels. <laughs> so many t- and t- TV shows. Yeah. And a remake. Yeah. So. What do you think about the remake? Um, I mean, I'm fine. Re- like one, you know, a movie, one movie doesn't hurt another. Like a new Chucky movie's not going to discredit or take away the old ones. But I find it a little confusing that they're not using kind of a supernatural element. It's just like chopping mall, where yeah, the, like smart things gone yeah, out of control. It's like a, Which I, you know, I Chucky starts like going haywire. <laughs> like that's fine, whatever. I just thought it would have been cool to maybe do the same thing, but like maybe switch gender roles. Have like you know Chucky as a girl, and you know maybe the Andy's a girl. You know, that type of thing. I don't know. So, like the Omen 4 TV movie. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So, I will move from Blu-rays. I've actually never seen the Omen 4. Oh, it's the Omen, but with a little girl. Oh. I did not know that. And in the early 90s. Yeah. Mm. I think Canadian, too, but... I could be wrong on that. Um, no, I have a huge stack of Blu-rays, and I'll respect that. But I just wanted to mention one really quick that I caught on Amazon Prime. And it feels like the kind of movie that won't be on there forever. So I, I'll mention it now. And it's Cast a Deadly Spell. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I never saw that. And it really seems like the kind of movie I would have loved growing up. Um, but it's kind of a horror comedy noir it just plays with like every genre um and it has fred ward as the detective harry lovecraft and there's like a ton of random lovecraft references on it um a young julianne moore being like the smoky femme fatale 
uh, like little Clancy Brown. I mean, he's probably in his thirties, not that little, but David Warner. And it was just cool because, well, you, I think you tweeted about something. Do you know that whole genre of books where it's like urban fantasy? Yeah. Where you have. I was yeah, trying to like, find one. I'm an investigator in the, the world of yeah. vampires and werewolves. It's that kind of thing. It, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, which is it's directed by Martin Campbell as mm-hmm. well, which is which is is it's crazy, but it's also not crazy if you like actually look at Martin Campbell's full discography. I, I keep saying discography like they're all fucking singers. Have you been getting into music lately? I have. Music is Oh, well there you go. Music's my thing right now, but <laughs> Like, Martin Campbell has, like, a really weird filmography. Like, he's done fucking Zorro in, like, 007. Yeah. And then he has, like, the awesome No no Escape. Um, Like, he's just just all over the place. Green Lantern? What is it? Green Lantern. He directed Green Lantern? I forgot about that. Oh, man. I think he's hoping most people do. His last movie, I, I, what was the, um, uh, was the Jackie Chan movie, which was really good. Oh, Um, he did the foreigner. Yeah. Okay. Which was, I heard really mixed things on that, but I love Jackie Chan so much. I'll see it anyway. It was like Martin Campbell going back to form is what it felt like. Okay. So have you seen the sequel to this? I didn't even know there was one, but I tweeted about it. And Phil from Fangoria was like, have you seen the sequel with friggin' Dennis Hopper? I'm like, no, I have not. Oh. Paul Schrader did it. Yeah, it's, um... uh, Um, Shit, what is the name of the movie? Witch Hunt. Witch Hunt? That's not what I was thinking about. I don't know if I've actually seen this now. What year did it come out? Well, the first one was early 90s. Um, 94. Which Uh, one was 94? Yes, I know know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I remember the front. It's got like like a UFO in the back. It's like orange writing. Like orange text. I think it's (laughs) a raven or a crow. Oh, okay. I know, I know what you're talking about. It's um, but yeah, visually, you're there. it's it's like set back in the back, like in the '60s or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it's they're hard. He's a hard boiled private detective, which is like the '40s and the '50s. Yeah. No, you know what? So, I, I don't know if I've actually. I'm I'm like looking at it now. I don't know if I've actually seen it. That one, it, the availability seems to be pretty sketchy, although I'm sure you could find it in half a second. Um, but if, you, if you're if you like me and you really dig the genre-bending movies, any listeners out there, maybe Sean, maybe not, uh, I would definitely <laughs> check out Cast a Deadly Spell. The cast is amazing, it, and it knows exactly what it is. It's intentionally funny. It's actually very clever, and if you do like noir films, they it is right in that pocket. Yeah. So I hopefully they'll both get a good release. That'd be uh, nice. HBO. I don't know. Yeah, I want. I was gonna say I want Night Flyer, but isn't that like Showtime? Maybe. 
Yeah, it, it sucks because mm. you know a lot of you know these things are labeled as TV movies, but they were on HBO at the time, and so most of them are rated R, and they and it's not TV; it's HBO, guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, I've always enjoyed that movie. Um, so I have since we're talking, I'll go back to the newer stuff. Um, I out by RLJ Entertainment, which I um I tweeted about this the other day. Something that I really like about RLJ is that whenever you have one of their films, um, they have new trailers, but they also have tra- trailers for older films that they released like five years ago. So they're constantly like trying that. to promote um, even their older titles, which is fascinating and great. Uh, for those that don't know, most of the time after two months after a movie's out, no one gives a shit anymore. Yeah, it's not um, food. It doesn't expire. Yeah. Get and, that catalog uh, moving. Yeah, so they like pimp out their old catalog, which is great. Uh, Monster Party was fun. It's a dinner party movie, which I'm always a fan oh, of. Oh, I just heard about this. So, oh, I'm glad you saw it. If you're a fan of dinner party movies, here you go. Um, I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know exactly what gives it away. But it is a group of thieves that uh, specialize in burglaries, and they're younger. Um, So they have kind of this setup that they're doing to uh, go host, not host, but um, um, serve. What do you call those people? Like you hire, (laughs) you hire servants, like people to like walk (laughs) around with food and drinks. I don't know what they're called. Like, wait, like they're high, like for higher yeah, waitresses. Wait staff. It's fine. Yeah, it's like they're higher. Yeah, it's wait staff. So the, these people are throwing this big, like, little party and they go to actually rob the place. Um, but everybody inside turns out to be kind of like uh, it's a, like a cult of serial killers. So they get trapped in a house full of serial killers. Which it um, it has uh, um, Robin Tunney, which is great. Uh, Julian McMahon, um, a couple of uh, other famous faces that you'll see. But it's it's good. It it's um, it starts off like the the soundtrack is really great. Um, once it starts, it's it's very suspenseful because there's like this sense of dread that you know that's going to happen with these people and it just builds up and builds up and then it explodes and it, and it's really good, but it kind of, um, I don't know, kind of maxes itself out for a moment and then it gets, uh, kind of chuglin again and gets pretty good. I said chuglin just like Creedence Clearwater Revival. So, (laughs) so, is it pretty straightforward or is there yeah. a comedic element to it? Or okay. uh, No, no, it's not. And I thought there was going to be. But, I mean, there's a comedic element because it's really dark at times. But for the most part, no. It's There's no, like, comic relief, um, anything like that. It uh, some, A few things that, are, that happen in the film that are a big surprise. But, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but, yeah, it's... I don't... I think calling it Monster Party maybe give... I don't know, false kind of expectations for the audience when it's actually just a bunch of crazy people. Yeah. So that's I was, I, I was expecting like, cause I'm, 
I, I think I may be spoiled the movie saying they were serial killers because the whole movie I'm trying to guess what they no, are. No, I, I just saw like a little thing of it and that was like in the first line. So Oh, okay. Because I was like watching it. I was like, they're either oh. vampires or um, they're serial killers. So, but anyways, it, it's it's uh, really good. Uh, um, Chris Hoffman directed it and he had a movie called The Drifter a couple years ago that's uh, pretty decent. So I'm kind of excited to see what he's got going on next. So, is it anything like uh, the Perfect Host? Yes, that David Hyde Pierce movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you like dinner party, and then when I say dinner party movies, I hope people know what I'm talking about. But like The Invitation, Coherence, uh, The Perfect Host, they're all really good dinner party movies. Which is, you know, my thing. Are those the kinds of movies you show at a dinner party? No. Or is that too themey for you? I well, if you're having a dinner party, you're like, do you are watching movies? You could try it. I have, do like a big projection. I usually have just all day marathons, and I show dinner party movies at those. Because I I I've had I host those marathons like every four months, mm-hmm. and coherence, um, the invitation, all have played. I love the Perfect Coast. That was a nice little surprise to watch that movie. Yeah. All, All right. right. So a respectful entry into the dinner party subgenre. Yes. Good to know. Okay. So I am not going to talk about a specific movie very much, but kind of, um, kind of a spat of releases, and I kind of want to get your opinion on them too. Sure. Okay, so Mill Creek has been releasing a few movies and re-releasing some. Hey, and I like have a bunch of those. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get Happy Birthday to me because I have it on like the, the double with When a Stranger Calls. And I don't like that. But they did a Who's Harry Crumb with John Candy and one of my favorites, Last Action Hero, and one of your favorites, Krull. Yes. So these are nothing added. There's no, they didn't do anything new. It's just, it's just packaging. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nifty little VHS style slip covers. No numbers on the spine though. Ooh. Seems a little controversial for you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So last action hero, the only thing that is different from, because last action hero, I believe this is like the third pressing for last action hero the first one i don't think is done by mill creek but it's pan and scan which is the worst fucking thing to do that should be illegal on blu-ray it should never have been done but especially on blu-ray so if you own i don't think the old mill creek is like that i think it's this is no i had that and so the very first last action hero is pan and scan um which is the worst thing because that's if people don't know what that is it's when the camera like it's like they have the camera pointing at the television and they're recording and then they move the camera to the side to get another shot it's the worst thing ever it it didn't really exist too long the only you know it's funny the only time i remember it being uh because i worked at blockbuster was that kevin costner movie dragonfly we got all pan and scan and it was actually labeled on the side of the movie so people would say, hey, that movie Dragonfly Pan and Scan? And I would always laugh. 
because they thought that was <laughs> dragonfly pan and scan. Yeah, it would, they would say dragonfly pan and scan. It I wonder if there's thing. anybody still walking around there that thinks that's still the title. <laughs> God, I hope some, so. Some old ladies telling her old lady <laughs> friends, "Hey, I rented this movie years ago, Dragonfly Pan and Scan with Kevin Costner. It was great." Having uh, a hell of a time finding it again, though. So, Last Action Hero is great. Um, I've always loved that. Of course, uh, like you mentioned, Crawl. Uh, I think Crawl is one of the most underrated action movies in the 80s. Um, and it's one thing that I'm not supposed to like Crawl because I'm not a fan of that type of genre, per se. But I love the element of having Vikings and like Star Wars mixed together. I think that's a genius idea, and I love Crawl. And I think the cinematography is great. The only thing I don't like about Crawl is they have so many badass characters, but they don't spend enough time with them. Um, yeah, there's a lot crammed in there. And I, I know what you mean too about the genres like high fantasy and sword and sorcery. It's hard for me to get into those. But this one has such a sense of humor, and it's balanced so well. It doesn't bloat you with, like, backstory or anything. It's just focused on being a really fun story. And it's uh, fantastic, like, as far as some of the the science fiction characters that pop up, you know, the sword and sandal characters that are, you know, Liam Liam Neeson's in it, and he's he's great with his power, which I wish they spent more time with those characters of his his pals because it was such kind of a, like a barrage of awesomeness but we don't get enough time with them i wish that movie was another 30 minutes uh i was one, gonna say do you think there's an extra long director's cut out there uh, i don't know it seems like that would be a a big budget movie not to have something extra but i've never heard of one um another movie that was in that little batch of mill creek that um i would uh recommend is one of my favorite sex comedies is hard bodies um hard bodies has been released before on blu-ray um but this has kind of a nifty little uh it has the old school cover again with uh, suntan lotion on the stomach but hard bodies is one of the better sex comedies um just because it's a little more positive on the sex stuff. Um, and plus it has Grant Kramer. Of... Yeah, that is always a plus. Yeah, and he he's great. But I've always really, really loved Hard Bodies. So, I mean, and Mill Creek is... Are you laughing at me because I say Hard Bodies? Like, I love Hard Bodies. I love Hard Bodies. I love Hard Bodies. Um and the cool thing about the Mill Creek stuff is that for collectors okay, that are silly, that they love these covers. And they really are because they're very reminiscent of old school VHS. And both sides, the spines are different. One has the kind of the tape with the label and the other one has, um, you know, just the cover. So kind of neat. Yeah, if if you are going to do a gimmick like that to re-release things, they actually put some thought into it, which I dig. And I I got they last year they released a little box set with like The Legend of Billie Jean and and a bunch of Spring Break movies. Yeah, that I was another that. one of those. Yeah, they did perfect um yeah. So, yeah, I imagine cute. Yeah, everything they're going to kind of re-release, I think. So, um I'll eventually 
kind of switch out because I'm not a big fan of those discs with six movies on it. No, yeah. I don't know, I'm weird. But anyways. Well, I feel like if you're into numbered spines, you probably don't like a bunch of movies crammed on one disc. I feel like that's just how that brain's going to work. Yeah. But I finally got to see who's a Harry Crumb, and I love John Candy. I haven't watched seen that movie yet at all. God, the cast is nuts. It's fun. It's There's some objectionable things in there, but it's an 80s comedy, so you kind of have to take it. But what's the one he where he writes for a soap opera? I just recently saw that for the first time, too. Oh, uh, um, um, serves as a D. Delirious? Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I watched Camp Candy, the cartoon, as a kid. But then he has these big movies in his career. I'm just now getting I actually around have not to. seen Harry Crumb, so that I should watch it. I have it. I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah. No, it, it's just one of those bonkers, super, super, super high concept Almost to the point where it's hard to follow the plot because <laughs> yeah. they're just throwing so much in there. But it's fun. Yeah, definitely. Cool. It's I, I I don't know. I'd probably put it in kind of the Fletch family. Oh, I like some Fletch. Um, all right. So since we're on Mill Creek, I have another one because every five years they re-release, re-release Can't Hardly Wait on Blu-ray. Um, but this one actually has all the special features that um, has existed because this has been out multiple times on Blu-ray. But I think this time they actually have everything together. Uh, Can't Hardly Wait has been a favorite of mine for a long, long, long time. Um, I'm not a fan of teen comedies, but this was one of the first of its kind. So it didn't have like... It has the normal tropes, but it was the one that kind of created that. It blended kind of the 90s, uh, or I, I guess it fused the 90s and the 80s together because it has a lot of 80s kind of qualities, but it also has that new stuff that was happening. But it was also kind of the turn, almost turn of the century, too, because, I mean, this was made, what, in like 97 or 98? Um, but 98, it, it just turn 30 and that blows my mind that'd be 20 right yeah 20 years 98 2000 okay no yeah i know (laughs) holy shit did i just age 10 years i threw a comment i was i I was like i I was like wait a second um, but it's, it's one of those movies I feel that has, better about 20 years now. I though. feel great right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, 20 years. I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating a, a movie that's only 20 years old. <laughs> I feel 20 again. Um, but, uh, can hardly wait. There's so many things to like about can hardly wait. Um, one is just Ethan Embry is just so likable as Preston Myers. Um, I was you in know, love with him. Yeah, Jennifer movie. Love Hewitt is uh, uh, Amanda Beckett. We have Seth Green as Kenny, Special K. Uh, you know Charlie uh, Corsmo, who actually ended up working for like NASA or some shit. 
who plays yeah um, he, he's um, actually the smart guy in real life yeah he plays the, the nerd in the movie yeah and he was actually a, a big nerd but he ended up being super successful um but yeah william lichter um but yeah it's just everything about the film as far as like being friends and dealing with relationships just all in like one night and I think it does a very good job of making it real, but also this time making it movie world to where, you know, it's kind of ridiculous in the sense. But it's 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 believable. And I, I really I've always admired the film. And plus, I just think it's fucking funny. So anyways, and there's also like it, it, throughout the film, there's so many little like, uh, you know, at the time, and we also have to think like they're not major stars now. But, like, after Can't Hardly Wait, for the next few years, they were very popular. Like, Jamie Priestley was in it. Uh, Brecken Meyer had a short part. Um, um, Sean, uh, Sean Patrick something. And it was in Save the Last Dance and, like, Halloween Resurrection and stuff like that. So there's, like, all these little parts uh, where these actors just had, like minor roles like Clea Duvall is in it too and then she went on like to do the faculty and a few other things um but yeah I, Mary I'll, Cherry from Popular what is saying that? hey to my popular it it was a tv show in like the early 2000s where um who's the guy that he does American Horror Story I don't know anything about American Horror Story well the guy who created that it was his really weird twisted take on a a teen high school uh tv show back then mm. no like they had a slasher movie episode they had like a whoever happened to baby jane episode i i love popular as hmm. an underrated show two big, seasons uh, big tv show fan so i've never seen that so all right so what else you got that's right i'm doing a just the discs on can't hardly wait <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm glad I got the decade thing mistake out of the way. Yeah, let's yeah, let's use that for the shitty show. <laughs> oh, no. This is this is this is just the buffer. This is practice round. This is, yeah, this is my practice actually. Okay, so Mr. Lucio Fulci has um They've been releasing him a little bit more. It's interesting because when I think back to like the the DVD releasing days, he was big, especially with like Blue Underground. Oh yeah, totally. Anchor Bay slash. But it kind of just seemed to be a lot of like zombie over and over again. And I picked up Murder Rock, uh, from Scorpion. And I don't remember really seeing that. I'm sure. It had like a double DVD disc back in the day. Um, yeah, and, double. Yeah, I think it was a double disc. I ended up selling mine right when that was announced, and I made a lot of money off of it because it's it was like super. <laughs> I like that you always have to mention that. That's actually I one of my love, favorite things. I love taking advantage <laughs> of people, but anyways. Um, yeah, no, I, I go ahead talk about Murder Rock and I'll tell you a story. No, you can tell me the story. Tell you a story, it'll make you laugh. So, um, okay. like I said, I have uh, these marathons that we do like every four months. So, I had this marathon planned where I did, you know, uh, it was for my birthday, 
actually. And I had, I don't know, it was like maybe eight or nine people there. And I screened Murder Rock. I have a picture that I took. I got to stand up and take a picture of the entire crowd with eight or nine people all sound asleep. Oh, no. <laughs> I put everybody I thought you were going to say wearing sweatpants and dancing. No, no. Everybody, like, there was a moment in that movie where everybody was sleeping. Like, I was able to oh. get up and take a picture and no one noticed. And I was like, shit, no one fucking likes Murder Rock. How proud. Yeah. Do you? I, I like Murder Rock because I think it's a really good fever dream giallo and it's ridiculous so i'm a big yeah, i'm I a mean, big fan of murder rock <laughs> i am too i didn't know what to expect and one of the titles being slash dance i'm like well i could probably put together a little bit but yeah yeah it's it was an interesting period uh for fulci <laughs> but i i enjoyed it and I, I wish Maniac was in this movie instead of Flashdance. It'd be more appropriate. Agreed. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I think some people are debating, especially Scorpion discs. They tend to not really come down in price very often. So I, I've actually had a lot of people ask me about it. Um, it's like 26 bucks, I think. Yeah. And I know for a lot of people, I think like 20 is their ceiling and that that can be kind of rough when you're into the more cult kind of film thing <laughs> i said that well um so i i would recommend it uh complete us they already have it they don't need me telling them if you have a sense of humor and a really high tolerance for wackiness if you're i think there's some people they like the more I, it's hard for me to say the more sober side of Giallo, because does that even exist? No. Well, I think it does. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, I, there's different flavors. This is like the wacky Kool-Aid flavor. Uh, so I really liked it. You can, people, you can come over, you can watch my copy, decide if you want to buy it. I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. But I also got a perversion story that Mondo Macabro yeah, release like that one. Yeah, and yeah, there's like a couple decades in between those, so it was interesting seeing years. that. Yeah, pretty good lord, what a <laughs> career! <laughs> yeah, that one is is much more traditional, and that's kind of style over everything else. I actually liked. I think I had more fun with Murder Rock. Yeah. Overall, but I'm just I'm enjoying it. I've always been like. Well, when I first started getting to these movies, people would be like, well, are you a Fulci girl or an Argento girl? I'm like, what? You have to pick Argento. And it turns out, no, that's just stupid things people say when you're like 18. Yeah. Oh, the, you, you can you, like everything. People say it now. <laughs> what are you talking about? There was just like a poll on Twitter the other day where it was like <laughs> Fulci or Argento. I was I like, was bitch. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're completely different filmmakers. Like, I don't even know why you're putting them in the same. They're same from boat. the same country. There yeah, you go. They're Italians. Whoopie ding ding. Like, <laughs> whoopie ding ding. I'm taking that. I like that. No, but uh, I definitely 
dove into the Argento pool like years and years and years before. Because I think I saw Zombie and I don't think, and then maybe the year after that, I finally saw The Beyond, which I loved. Yeah. And then I did, I don't think I saw anything else for years. And then I finally started catching up. Um, and now I feel like uh, all of these more, I, I wouldn't say obscure, but they're definitely not as well known parts of his career. I I get it. Like I, I'm just falling more and more in love with him and how versatile he was. He's just brave. Like I, he really didn't give a shit. I don't think. Crazy. Not in the way of not caring it, caring about it. But if he had an idea, he's like, yeah, why not? Well, I actually have a little bit of uh, Fulci insight for that. Yeah. If you, which if one? You, if you, if you care. Um, to yeah, I love insight. To hear. So, um, Fulci obviously is a fantastic filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and. He's 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 definitely one of my favorites. But in like Fulci was very strong with his comedies and you know then he went into like crime and then westerns and then um he kind of got into horror a little bit in the 70s with Lizard and um you know uh Dracula in uh provinces and uh, you know, the psychic and all of that stuff. He was still doing kind of Westerns because he even had like a slasher Western, you know, um, the four of the apocalypse and things like that. So, but he really was strong in the eighties uh, doing some uh, horror. But if you notice right after, right after I would say the New York Ripper, Fulci started getting a little bit crazier so we have manhattan baby we have uh warriors of like 2072 murder rock devil's honey um house of clocks cat in the brain voices from beyond and and stuff like that well Everybody knows Manhattan Baby's like fucking insane it's it's the one of the most I love movies. Manhattan it, Baby but yeah it's great but at that time, Fulci was working with Dardano Sacchietti, which was his main screenwriter. Um, Manhattan Baby was their falling out. Um, Dardano was very upset with how Manhattan Baby came out. That was not his vision. And Fulci was an asshole, which is known in the film world that Fulci was a dick. But they butted heads so much that they quit working together. And the reason why they worked together for so long is because they were super successful. And Dardano Sacchietti was one of the biggest Italian screenwriters. Um, one is still one of the biggest screenwriters, if you look at his filmography. Any like pop, like super popular Italian movie, Sacchietti wrote it. And that goes for all uh, filmmakers. He worked with Bido, with Argento. He worked with everybody. Um... But aside from Warriors of 2072, which Sacchietti wrote too, after that, he never worked Sacchietti again. So anything after that, Fulci was writing himself. And that's when Fulci became Fulci and really started going crazy. Because everything that he wrote after that is kind of insane. 
I mean, do you even, think it's that he went crazy or he just didn't have crazy. that? I don't think he had anybody in. to bring him, roll, roll him back yeah. in. Yeah. Because Fulci did what he wanted to, but if you look at like even like Touch of Death and stuff like that, which was made for TV, but it was, you know, unrated, <laughs> of course. And, um, you know, the Sweet House of Horrors, House of Clocks, even with the fucking old people that are killing. Like, some of his stuff is really crazy. And yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the crazy period and I, when you're I lifting love, them off. I, like, I mean, I yeah. really do love it. I love Fulci. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I love the craziness. But there's a change in method of filmmaking when he lost Sacchietti. And Yeah, uh, now, that, now that you say that, absolutely. Yeah, and it, oh. I think it's a good thing. But, um, I mean, Sacchietti obviously didn't hurt at all because uh, he went on to do even bigger and better things. And, I mean, he's still screenwriting um, to to this day. Um, I actually got to talk with him um, last year, which was kind of a big deal for me because he's like a hero of mine. But um, he, he didn't have very nice things to say about Lucio Fulci to the point where he almost hated him. But, anyways... Um, yeah, that was like the once I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, everybody talks about those movies that are after Manhattan Baby. But that's the reason why it was all because of he he was lost Sacchietti. And I think there was definitely a good partnership between them, even if they didn't get along. I think they were able to work with one another perfectly to create some iconic films. And then Fulci just did his own thing because he could. He was extremely successful. So. Yeah, I, I do love looking at those careers where you can really see the different segments and the different time periods. And if you're lucky enough to have uh, a career that can span decades and genres like that, that's so rare and so incredible. And it's cool when you kind of learn what happened behind the scenes. You're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's why that changed. I love that. Yeah, no. Thank you, Brad. That was very educational. Well, you're welcome. And off to my favorite Fulci movie. And yes, yes it's super cliche. And I will mm-hmm. always love it because each time I watch it, I feel like I'm watching it for the first time. Um, it is my one of the very first movies I saw um, on my own in horror. And also written by Sacchietti, who did not take credit for it, by the way because uh, he rewrote the entire script, was Lucio Fulci's Zombie. Um, which is, uh, I even if I've bought this movie a thousand fucking times on Blu-ray already, um, I had to pick up the new um, Blue Underground 20-disc release of whatever, how many discs this is. But it's nice, because it really is a, a great 4K restoration. Which, I mean, you say 4K, it's just a good restoration. But I've owned the Arrow disc, I own the old Blue Underground. Um, I even had that one that was from Italy. I can't think of uh, who put it out. But, um, yeah, I will always go back to Zombie. I know that's cliche, being Fulci. Cause nah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Like- I mean, you pretend it's not great because it's popular. No, no, no. It's just it's one of those movies that no matter like I can watch Fulci anytime, but I can't rewatch some of the movies over and over again. Yeah. Like every year I have to give a break. I would say I I do kind of flip back and forth with my favorite Fulci movie is like four. 
of the Apocalypse and Zombie. I've said four is the Apocalypse is my favorite Fulci before, probably. So I know that you're probably like, well, no one's listening. But anyways, um, yeah. like somebody on the keyboard. Hey, Brad said this in like. Hey, my my mom will listen <laughs> at least we have her. Brad said this in 2012, the four of the apocalypse is his favorite Fulci movie. Now he's saying, let me zombie. get out my notebook. So, yeah, I mean, four of the apocalypse is definitely one. I think it's fucking great because he blended horror and Westerns perfectly. But um, zombie is just always it's just so iconic. There's just so many great moments in the film. It's got the perfect soundtrack, it, no matter how it's I, I put it up there with Phantasm. I can watch Phantasm a million times. I can watch it every fucking month. It doesn't bother me. And it, it's weird. It's there's a couple movies like that where I start it and then I look at the clock and I'm like, this movie's over already. Like time just flies by no matter how many times I watch it. So anyways, yeah, it's uh, it looks fantastic. Um it's it's the honestly it's the best it's ever looked and i've bought the movie a million times so so i have the old blue underground one and i said i love this movie but i'm okay with it plus i owned it like three times on dvd so even though i crave it because that's the kind of maniacs we are if you're into blu-rays um Mm -hmm. i kind of i've been talking myself out of it so do i need it i think so um because it is better um like it's it's a noticeable difference with the restoration it's the sound okay it's the sound okay it i it if you put them side by side you might be able to notice the difference because there's certain shot like I mean you watch a lot of Italian movies so you know that there's like kind of this haze that's over the characters a lot mm-hmm, looks mm-hmm. like a soap opera the dialogue um, fog so like but this it makes it everything a little bit clearer because they always feel like something's out of focus in those shots but it's not it's just the cinematography it's like it's not out of focus it's just how it looks and that's just their style but when you actually look at this one it Every scene looks clear that's at daytime, which I mean, the whole movie basically takes place during the day. But um, yeah, it's it looks it looks a little it's a little bit more crisp, but it's the sound that is different to me. Like when that like that boom, boom, boom comes in, like it's just it just shook everything. And I was like, oh, man, I don't remember the old movies doing that. So <laughs> damn it. I guess I have to get it. I should probably grab it before they get stupid expensive, huh? Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah, it's it's At least there's three different covers I can choose from. True, and it that also has the soundtrack in it too. Yeah, well, I was going to say I I oh. did pick up uh, Maniac. Yeah, I actually have that too. Cool. Let's talk <laughs> about Maniac. Um, um all, I wanted to say that it actually has an essay written by Stephen Thrower in the zombie thing too, so it's really nice. Yeah, he's one of the names where you're like, yep, yeah. I'm going to read that. I'm weird. I take out booklets that have essays, and I have them in a pile, and I just read them when I have time, and then I put them back in the disc. I read them the when I in the bathroom. I have them, too. I have them in a little pile, in and your... I read them when I go to the bathroom. Okay, well, anyone buying Blu-rays from Brad, <laughs> now you know where they were. <laughs> They've been in the potty, so, all right. Uh, let's talk about Maniac. Another 
glorious. Uh, well, actually, I didn't. This was on Blu-ray before, right? By Blue Underground. Well, I was gonna say I I love Joe Spinell. This movie breaks my heart. I love Carol Monroe, of course, but I have never owned this ever in my life on oh. any format. See, I just owned it on DVD, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me to pick up um, the Blu-ray. Yeah, same so. here. No, this was like, finally, the celebration I deserve to finally yeah. own Maniac. A lenticular cover. That's right. I want to see that bulge move around. That's for me. So. <laughs> oh my god, There's the no bulge question. is so noticeable. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Jesus. I wonder if there's some stores where they just put the price sticker just out section. Yeah, I I don't ever remember that before. All right, there you go, 3D. <laughs> poked in the eye almost, looking at the fucking cover now. <laughs> I'm glad I could help bring that to light. But yeah, it's it's all region, three discs. Um, and I, I was really interested because, again, they're like touting a amazing new restoration i'm like this is you know these it's one of the movies where it's supposed to be gritty it's not supposed to be a clean looking movie it does i was kind of curious about how that's what i was gonna say like it looks like film Mm -hmm. it it looks exactly the way it's supposed to but beautiful they found that wonderful balance it it just made me so happy it looks exactly the way you'd want it to there's not like a beauty filter or anything slapped over it. it it's maniac it's so maniac it's kind of like um the arrow release of driller killer I oh my god i was just about to say that <laughs> i kind of have the same worry but it, it's the same deal yeah no it looks it makes you feel bad it makes you feel gross oh, yeah Gritty, stabby New York City movie. I can't Love wait that. until Vice Squad gets released. I've never seen that one. So that's like right in there with them? Yeah, it is awful. Ooh. It is such a fucking awful. Like, Would it, you it, put New York Ripper in there? No. Even though it's made by an Italian? No, no, no. That movie makes me feel gritty and terrible, though, but in a different way. So I agree with you. Because but. it has the Donald Duck voice. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Donald Duck <laughs> very uncomfortable specifically. Um yeah, Vice Squad is just <laughs> Vice Squad's just mean to women, but I mean cool. it's yeah. Well, woohoo. Um, <laughs> Looking forward to that fun time. But it is <laughs> it's such a good movie in the sense of like just being brutal New York. Because uh, it's about a, a, a Wingshauser is a fucking pimp who's after this girl and he's do anything to fucking kill her. But like when the girl goes to like find help anywhere, she's just treated like shit because she's a prostitute. So like the cops mm-hmm. won't even help her. It's just awful, but it's such a good and fucking gritty New York movie. But anyways. You know what? Um, so, of course, Larry Cohen is kind of like the king of filming in New York City. But when I kind of think about films in that vein, special effects is the one that, for whatever reason, stands out the most to me. I feel like that one kind of mm. captured like the back alleys the best. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, street scenes uh, when them standing outside that building and just walking around and having conversations. So it kind of gets you... Um, kind of what New York was like 
um, on this drag because I I love I love how it looks. Everything looks dirty. Everything looks freezing cold. It just looks miserable, and you kind of. And you and you feel that in the movie, you know. You and I romanticize it though. I'm like, oh, that's when it was real, man. Not not today. <laughs> not with Bubba Gump shrimp on Times Square. <laughs> no, touche. I hear you. I hear you. I like that too. Did you ever see um, the documentary about Deep Throat? I'm trying yeah. to think of the name. I loved the footage they had of just like people. <laughs> Like instead of people sneak into the porno theater, just like everyday oh, people no. lined yeah, up just around line up a and they interview like an old lady, and she's like, "I wanted to watch a porno." <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Yeah, like me. it was just normal things. Oh, it was so just like good. a normal thing to <laughs> see. Fucking deep throat, like on a Saturday night. Hey kids, see you later. We're gonna go watch Linda Lovelace. <laughs> you know, yeah. what a pop culture moment. Yeah, it's, it's a really good doc. I love that. Um, since we're talking about greediness and awfulness, um, Artsploitation put out a DVD, which I'm surprised they didn't put this out on Blu-ray because, I don't know. It just Really? Seems... You've dealt with Walmart and their DVD policy, Brad. I feel like you should understand that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes sense to put stuff on DVD still, uh, as far as like a distributor, but they didn't put this on blue at all, so it was kind of weird because Artsploitation's kind of doing Blu-rays now. Like, all the time. Mm. And this seems like it would be a bigger sell for them if they did it. But it was uh, Christmas Blood. So, um, it is a... Um, <laughs> it's fucked up. It's a um, it's a Norwegian um, Christmas movie about a uh, killer who has a list. And he will do anything to kill everybody on this list. And he uh, is captured. Um and he escapes, and he just goes on a fucking rampage, just slaughtering people. Um, the first five minutes of this movie, you just know that this movie does not fuck around because a little child is like split in two, like the axe there you go. head and like split and like opens up. <laughs> like it's like, oh my god, what the fuck? Um, I'm such a sucker for that effect where you just see the line and then bloop. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great. It, but it's just it's just so mean. Um and it's just a bunch of people that are trying to have a good time that get cross, you know, across Santa's path and he just butchers them. I mean, there's just buckets of blood being poured on people. It's just it's it's insane. Um I wouldn't say it's like a great movie, but it's definitely a lot of fun. Um and I could see myself revisiting it probably every other like Christmas or something like that. Like it's definitely, it has a lot of Christmas charm to it. So it just doesn't use it kind of as a small catalyst to tell a story. It actually is Christmas time. Um, and Christmas lights, Christmas music and plenty of Santa with axes and killing people. So, and it's, it's completely over the top. Um, it's very reminiscent of like 80 slashers to where it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, someone gets stabbed in the back, but like a gallon of blood gets poured on somebody, and it's just you can like hear the rib cage. Yeah, it's just, and then you just look, and it's just really an axe in the back, but somehow it produced all this blood. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 fun nonetheless. And plus, the director's done a couple other brutal uh, um, horror films that are uh, that are decent. So de- de- definitely pick it up, or maybe if it's on VOD, rent it. So. Yeah, that that sounds like the kind of thing I'd add to my Christmas horror 
rotation. I refuse to watch holiday movies not in the holiday. That's just me. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of think I'm the same way to, to say that. Yeah, the only thing that I probably watch is um, horror films. <laughs> not yeah. October. <laughs> but no, no I'll, I'll just be watching like an action movie and they'll walk by a mall Santa. I'll be like, you tricked me. God damn it. It's <laughs> August right now. But I'm a normal person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Are. For speaking of, I got a gift of uh, the Wreck Collection. Whoa. From Scream Factory, which I, I wasn't going to get. I, I saw they released. I was like, "Oh, cool! I liked Wreck a lot. I even liked the remake of it because it's basically the exact same movie, except no subtitles." Um, so, but I, I like. Did you get it? No, I own all um, the Wreck movies on um, the. Uh, e Is it like import DVD? No, no, the e, the E one Blu-rays. Okay. Yeah, the oh, same company okay. put them all on. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it, they indicated any of the extras were new. They all pretty much have, or at least the first one has the commentary, and they all have documentaries of, like, behind the scenes that are about half an hour to an hour. But I had only seen the first one, and oh, what shit. a trip this series is. Yeah. No, the se second one is by far like surpasses the first one but i think the third one really wait you think the third one's the best yeah okay cool because i was trying to get the consensus on how people felt about this series i love the first the one i think I'm, I'm totally alone unless you like the third one as much as me like i don't know anybody that i will get likes to the it third one. okay i I'm, love I'm the waiting. first one i think it, it, it's perfect. It's just, ooh, it gets me tense every time I see it. Wreck 2 is good. I One of the reasons why I love the first one so much is they take time to set up the characters. I, I actually feel terrible when they're killed and get infected. Um, but in the second one, they're all soldiers, so they kind of look alike. And the pace is just like, well, the first one was... This way, we have to make it all quicker now. And it has a lot of great moments, and it's still keeping in the, in the theme for the most part. But it just didn't click with me. The third one, um, they kind of were like, hey, we're, we're recording a wedding. And then they just throw it out the window. It becomes a regular movie. And I love the third one. So you're not alone. Good. Yeah. No, the, the third one is a trip. Um, I think I mentioned on Twitter, it was like kind of Peter Jackson in there. I, it, it makes absolutely no sense following wreck one and two. Um, and people don't seem to like it very much, at least if they're really into the first two. Yeah. Uh, if you're a stickler for consistency, three and four are nightmares, absolute nightmares. Four, I think there's some, like a couple seconds of security cam footage on a boat. I and then that's it. It's a regular movie, but it's called Rec 4. Yeah, I'm, I hate, I hate the fourth one. <laughs> it's so insane. I'm looking at the cover and it just says, welcome on board. 
Yeah. And okay, that doesn't sound monkey. like any. Give me a break. I love zombie monkeys. But it doesn't make sense in the movie. But, no, I, I was... It's not a wreck movie. They have characters in it that reference the past movies. And almost feels like a joke. But I will admit yeah, it's the just end. The, it's just the surviving, the, the survivor aspect. It could be any movie. It, it, could, it could be a standalone. It could be part of any number, like, you know, random zombie series. But I will admit, I the end I thought was pretty tense. I thought they built it up. It was, I don't know. It's kind of like Titanic with zombies a little bit. I think there's even like a you jump, I jump moment, which I appreciated when like you're about to get your head ripped off. So it's a very uneven series, but overall, I, I if you're kind of open minded <laughs> and you like going on a journey, uh. Yeah, it's it's a journey. I don't know. I don't know how you get from wreck to zombie monkeys on a boat. They, yeah, they, they did it. Yep. No, I know. It's <laughs> bad. So yeah, there's a good amount of extras, but it seems like they're all ported over. So I think if you already have the set, Brett has Brad. What's your name? Brad ass. Yeah, Brad ass. <laughs> then you're good. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. I'm going to pick something here that is kind of off, uh, I guess, out of the ordinary. This was on my top 20 list for the year. Um, oh. I highly recommend this movie. It is called Pickings. P-I-C-K-I-N-G-S. Um Pickings. Pickings is absolutely outstanding. It is a it's a neo noir spaghetti western mixed with elements of like comic book like Sin City. Um it is it's about this uh mom who owns this bar and she has had a fucked up past and she's met by these people that are knocking at her door that know who she is. And then it just kind of goes from there. Um, but it is beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. It's um, it. One, there's a thing in the movie about this, this, these characters called the three dames. And then I, after the movie was over, I like, found the director is like are you making a three dames movie because that would be perfect but it's like every character in the film you kind of like and they all have this like thing um but it's one of those movies just kind of just came out and then no one knew about it i actually got it in the mail as a screener and i did not know what it was i didn't request it i don't know how they these people got my information <laughs> I just got a movie in the mail and like one day I was bored and it was like the next thing. And it was like, I like, I looked at it and I read the back and it was like neo noir meets spaghetti Western. Okay. That's probably a bunch of bullshit in some indie movie. And I watched it and it is an indie movie, but it is like perfect filmmaking. Um, yeah, was... that sucks. Cause this sounds like the exact kind of movie I love and I have not heard of it before. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I've, I've, tweeted about a few times but i just don't think there's like because there's no there's no start like there's no one in it 
like as far as anybody that's notable. Like no familiar faces, no cameos. It's like the filmmakers like directorial debut. Um, it's just out of nowhere. Um, but it's it's so fucking good. Um, the transitions, everything about this movie is really great. So if you don't want to pick up the Blu-ray, at least you know you can rent it maybe on VOD if it's on there. But yeah, if you like anything that I just mentioned then it's it's definitely you it, i mean it's it, like i said it's it's definitely so many western aspects to it um it's of course neo-noir because of the mobsters and gangsters aspect it gets pretty violent at times and like i said it's very reminiscent to like the effects in like sin city in order to tell a story um so yeah it's it's it might like i said it was my top 20 it blew me away so I highly, highly recommend pickings. So. So can I borrow your screener? Sure. <laughs> I just think we should cover all the formats. Yeah. And I want to say. Yeah, and I want to even say this is a BDR. Like it's it's just a it's a poorly put together package. Like, I wish I would have known about this movie for Wild Eye because we actually would have done it justice. But it's this, it's this, like, it's honestly, even the insert is that shitty paper. Like, even the words are on, are blurred in the back because it's just printed off a fucking printer at home. Um, and it's distributed. I like that you picked a DVD only release and now you have like a printed off BDR release. That's cool. I think that's why people like you. What is it? <laughs> that on your list you have like a DVD only release and now you have like a, a printed off BDR release on your yeah. list. And it's distributed by Dark Passage Films. Which I don't know whatever, but Dark Passage, you kind of suck at doing this and you need to let professionals do it. Um, because this movie is really good and it's, um, I'm going to wait five years and then I'm going to pick it up and give it the release it deserves. So are you going to swoop in on the sequels? Eh? I'm I've contacted. Are we courting them right now? Like if he makes a three dames movie, like that, like I'll flip out, but on like, why would he? Cause no one knows about this fucking movie. So anyways, it, why you say some? Why you talk about your next movie? I'm gonna see if it's on Voodoo at least. Okay, cool. Well, while he's championing a really cool new movie, I will be an asshole and talk about an old one. Second Sight released a limited edition. They'll they always do a standard one. You don't have to worry about it if you don't get this. But when a stranger calls, wait, just pick that up. It's got the sequel too, right? Yeah, and it has When a Stranger Calls Back on it. Now, you can't tell because on the box it doesn't mention the sequel. Uh, Inside it doesn't. You have to, like, read down. When I first got it, I was actually worried I ordered the wrong thing because it didn't mention it. But it is there, and it has um, a great booklet. It has a poster. I don't care about posters, but it's nice it's there. Um, Yeah, I, I had seen When a Stranger Calls, which... In a way, it's such a classic, um, almost folk tale, fairy tale, slasher, babysitter alone story um, with just the right amount of subversion in it that I, I don't, because I, 
I actually saw the remake of it before I saw the original. And I feel like the remake, when you tell someone the the one line, the basic plot, their brain will automatically go with what the remake did. So I was like, yep, this movie is exactly what I thought it'd be, like a babysitter running from the guy the entire movie. And seeing the original afterwards, I was like, oh, no, they're actually doing some unusual things here. And when a stranger calls back, goes a completely di- different direction. <laughs> and then it becomes kind of an action movie. So I, I don't... It, I want to say that I watched both of these like just a few years ago and I was really shocked by the sequel because the sequel is like really different, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I honestly, I I want to say that I really liked both of these movies, but I can't remember a goddamn thing about them. So I, I picked up the second site because I think I actually saw a picture of you, uh, you took a picture or something on Twitter, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I got to pick that up. And I bought it, like, for as cheap as, like, 35 bucks or something. So I think I got forever under 20 on Amazon UK. But, yeah, I've been really liking the second site releases. Um, they did a great job with Extro and the Changeling. And this is no different. Um, it has new interviews. I love Carol Kane, and she's on here, thankfully. It'd actually break my heart if <laughs> seeing her on Kimmy Schmidt and not having time to do extra features for when a stranger calls. But thankfully, she didn't break my heart. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whether you're revisiting these or you've only seen the first one or you've never seen them, it's a beautiful set. It's very economical, I think. And I don't know. I feel like when a stranger calls is such a cornerstone with horror movies and the tropes and everything you kind of you need to get it it's yeah. nutritional i'm excited to watch it I, willow's never seen it so i'll watch it with her uh pickings is available on amazon prime so there you go hey all right i may watch that tomorrow so um i have uh something i was very excited about was um 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers on Blu-ray, Ooh, which was released by Olive, uh, Olive Signature, which I'm glad they're not done because um, they were really hot there for a little bit, and then they just kind of stopped. Oh, are so, they in danger of knocking that off? I don't know. It's just, it's just that there was like, I want to say like maybe six or seven releases like within maybe like eight months and then they had one more and then I just haven't heard from them in a few months. So like, it was just odd. So I don't know if they're gearing up. Cause I mean, Olive's obviously putting a lot of stuff out. Well, actually no, you know what? Olive's kind of slowed down too. Yeah. Yeah. They have a little so bit. maybe it's just, I, I think it's because they're taking more time with it. Cause the, uh, all of obviously just takes HD masters and puts them on Blu-ray and they're cheap, which is great. That's fine. But all of has these signature series where they kind of go all out and they pack, um, these, uh, these, these, uh, discs full of just random shit. And it's really great. Um, yeah. Like they did Elaine May's a new leaf. And killed it. It was like Criterion level with yeah. the illustration and the extras. 
Yeah, and they had, um, uh, they did Macbeth, um, they did, what's that, uh, super feminist western, um... Johnny Guitar? Yeah, they did that, um, and then, like, they had Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which, like, I, I picked it up, and I was, I've always, I love all the Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies. Me too. What year it is, I, I fucking love Invasion, uh, you know, the... Abel Ferrara film, uh, the one from, you know, the 70s with Sutherland, and this one. I think they're all great. So, like, this one has, check this shit out. It has uh, audio commentary by Richard Harlan Smith, which is great. Wow. Um, It has audio commentary um, with uh, two of the actors and Joe Dante. What? And then it has a a small doc featurette. With Larry Cohen and Joe Dante. Oh man, that's a. I have an old DVD. I was going to upgrade it anyway. I and, didn't know that. And then there's another. Um, there's a Sleep No More documentary that features uh, the actors Stuart Gordon, John Landis, and Mick Garris. Good lord. Like, it's just. It's. And like, the features on this, there's one, two. Well, I mean. New Restoration is one, but yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, ten, eleven. So eleven like video features, and then there's like original theatrical trailer essay from uh, a, fil- a film programmer, um, and a gallery of rare documents detailing aspects of the film's production. So, um, but yeah, it's just fucking loaded and that's what exactly what all of signature series does every goddamn time they release something it's just stacked like this and that's what i like because i mean obviously the filmmakers of something that's older it's kind of hard to get it's kind of hard to get interviews and everything like that because everybody's fucking dead so i'm like okay well if you can't go that find people that love the movie find film historians ask them about the movie especially something as important as invasion of the body snatchers because it was one of those movies that changed horror Um, well it sounds like they got all the babies of that movie like joe dante when they probably saw it in the cinema yeah and it's those little monster sci-fi movies that inspire these you know obviously kids that grown up to be you know amazing filmmakers so yeah the transfer is absolutely glorious so there's that um but yeah it's anything that's all of the signature series i highly recommend because even if it's a film that you don't know Oh, they did High Noon, too, which isn't, you know, the special features on there are incredible. And I'm not even a special features guy. I really don't care. But when you have stuff like with Larry Cohen, like, talking about a movie, I don't give a shit what it is. It could be fucking Bambi. I'll listen to fucking Larry Cohen talk about Bambi because Larry Cohen's great. Speaks way better than I do. So maybe I should just have Larry Cohen take over to the Screamcast. That's an option? I'm going to call him. I'll be right back. That would be great. But yeah, Invasion of the... Thank you. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is, number one, first off, a great movie, but also Olive kills it with the special features with uh, with that. And I'm not sure if there was another release with this, but uh, everything looked um, new as far as uh, um, how the camera... It didn't look like old archival stuff, so... I'll do a quick shout-out to the King Cohen documentary that came out last year, which oh, is yeah, wonderful. I program at the Florida Film Festival. Well, because you have good taste. Yeah, I love that doc. It's fucking two hours, too, and it's glorious two hours. 
I know because, yeah, if you're a huge fan of him, like we are, I listen to all of his commentaries, whatever he does. So he'll launch into a story I'm familiar with. And I'm fine hearing it because he's so charming. But then they'll be like, and then, and then they'll talk to all these people connected to it and have like footage of it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, it's so great. Yeah, the, 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 the banter between him and Fred Williamson in that doc is great. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. just contradict each other constantly. It's so fucking good. He's I like, that's not the way Larry said <laughs> Yeah. So, but anyways. I think I'm just going to do one more release. Okay. How much is left in your pile? Uh. Let's just let's just say this will be the ending of the show. Okay, but I'll do like I think one we're or two all more. curious what? what you actually have there. Oh, I have quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, I I pro- I mean honestly, I like if I would go from the last show that we had to like the movies that are beside me, I probably have like 50 movies, so It's ridiculous. I, I will I'll give you a clue of what's happening in my life. All right. It is um what's today? January tenth. January tenth. It Tomorrow is January... my dad's birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Um <laughs> so it is January tenth. How many movies do you think I've actually seen already this year? In ten days. In ten days. It's you. I'm also programming Florida Film Festival now, so it's a little bit more excessive than normal. 50. 40. Ha! I was going to guess close. 40. And then you mentioned the film festival. I'm like, oh, he's got to cram him in. He's not even sleeping. Yeah, no, it's no, no sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's wow, it's ridiculous. So you're averaging for a day. Yeah, which is why I probably hit four, over, over 1,400 last year. So... Needless to say, there's a lot, so let's just get to it. Let's get okay. to it. Well, do you want to just name some really quickly? Um, Yeah, I watched Slender Man. That was garbage. What? No way. I fucking hated it. Like, the thing with Slender Man is I was like 30 minutes in, and I'm like, how does anybody hate this movie? This is really good and creepy. And then the rest of the hour just falls apart. It, I don't think it's a completed movie. I don't think they were able to finish it or something happened because there's actually plot points that are just left open and characters. You don't just disappear and you don't know okay. what happened to them. So, yeah, it's kind of gross. Um, watched Venom. It's OK. And? I don't like comic book, book, comic book movies and Marvel and all that. But Venom was kind of fun in a really bad way. It's like a bad movie, but it's like good. It's weird. Yeah, I like those. I love Tom Hardy. Yeah, so. and he he's he's a lot of fun in it. Um, I watched Kin, which I really, really, really liked. Okay, um, I'm I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, it was just kind of came out of it. nowhere, and I remember it playing at the theater, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, it looks okay. Um, but yeah, it's like a low um low budget for you know kind of the indie filmmakers they are, but I mean when you look at low budget, it's like still like thirty million dollars. But um, it's a good sci-fi flick, uh, kind of a road movie. Um, 
you know, uh, two brothers are on the run from James Franco's gang. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, Relatable. but it actually, it actually works out. It's actually pretty good. I really enjoyed Ken quite a bit. Um, and then I watched, uh, what can I talk about? Um, oh, Between Worlds is out on VOD. Um, I talked about Between Worlds briefly. Um, well, I don't know how brief I was. I probably spent a lot of time on it. But during Fantastic Fest, I watched Between Worlds' Nicolas Cage movie. So I highly recommend Between Worlds. It was uh, in my top 20. And it's not a good movie. But it is the best time I've ever had, like, in my entire life in the theater. Holy shit. Between Worlds is, uh, and I screened it for, uh, if I can exp- I can actually be public about this now, I guess. Uh, I didn't actually tell what the last movie was at my last marathon. I know a lot of people follow that, but I don't actually, because I had a copy of it when I wasn't really supposed to. Um, but I had a copy that I screened for my friends. Um so Between Worlds is Nicolas Cage is a truck driver who uh, witnesses a woman being strangled in the bathroom. He then um, attacks the guy that is uh, strangling her, and then she gets upset because she is able to astral project when she's on the brink of death. And her daughter has just um, been... Uh, in in a in a bike like a motorcycle accident. So she has to. Oh shit! My computer's about to die. How do I plug this in? All right, this is behind the scenes. All right, called actually... a socket. Yeah, I know that. I'm on right? a cord. All right, I'm gonna run over there real quick and plug it in. I'll be right back. You just sing. Oh, nobody wants that. So, Brad's talking about, like, cool insider movies. I have been renting from the library. And, yes, I do call it renting. I don't pay them anything except in taxes, of Definitely course. Definitely not going to that out. It's been a lot of fun. Um, what? Uh, so, Nicholas <laughs> Cage uh, then takes her to the hospital that her daughter is dying in. And he proceeds to choke her in the hallway while she grabs the soul of her daughter. Oh, this turned into like a story time. (laughs) To bring her back (laughs) to her body. So, in payment and respect and thanks, she takes Nicolas Cage back to their, back to her home and proceeds to fuck his brains out. Um... And then he gets fired from his job because he's late with his delivery with his truck. Nicholas Cage doesn't have any place to go, so he decides to stay with the woman. The daughter comes back um, to the home to start to recover. But Nicholas Cage gets this weird vibe about her. Turns out that Nicholas Cage's wife died years ago, and her soul lingers around. So it's not the soul of her daughter that she brings into her daughter's body. It is Nicolas Cage's dead wife. So not only is he fucking (laughs) the mom, 
he starts to fuck the daughter too because that is his wife this movie is so fucking weird it is insane like it's just like lines of dialogue everything that's happening in the movie that's just the plot of the movie and it just gets insane Nicolas Cage reads Shakespeare written by Nicolas Cage it is unbelievable pay attention to the book that he's reading from when he's fucking like he's like there's so much Nicolas Cage fucking in this movie it's while he's fucking yeah he's reading a book by Nicolas Cage multitasker okay yeah so um yeah between worlds is is fucking great watch it it is awesome um Oh, Wait, I, can I ask you a quick personal yes, question? Yes, absolutely. Do you think Nick Cage has the acting career version of Lucio Fulci's directing career? Think about it for a second. You are on to something. Nicholas Cage's Lucio Fulci. Got it. That's Glad it. we cracked that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I watched another movie, um, uh, Rebecca McGentry, uh, who does Shockwave. She had a movie come out that she directed with her Kendry. husband. What did I say? Wait, Kentry? I think he was throwing a T in there. You're fine. I called you Brett, so. <laughs> Names, right? Yeah, I know. Who needs them? All right. Uh, so Rebecca Mc- McKendry. Mc. Kendry. I thought I, th- I thought I said maybe I said he has maybe. a PhD, man. Don't mess that name up. Okay. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> her directorial debut is All the Creatures Stirring, which is a horror anthology based around Christmas. Um, it's fine. I thought it got a little. I thought it got a lot of people hate this movie. Um, I think it's because maybe they're expecting more, which I kind of was too. I think. Yeah, um, and maybe something more traditional. But then she brought in like kind of her theatrical background and i think yeah. that threw a lot of people off yeah it's it's fine it's definitely not as bad as people made it out to be because i think people are just being a little bit more harsh on it just because of her background and who she is and i don't know you may be expecting more uh from her which I, I like i said i was too but it's not as near as bad as people say there's a couple good segments um in it but all around it's something i won't revisit during christmas um but it was kind of a fun little watch it breezes by and plus you know there's a lot of people in it that i really do like as far as like actors and personal friends of mine so um, i enjoyed it for what it was um severin put out uh horror uh, of party beach which is really fun um, I remember, I guess, I think I saw this on VHS back in the day, and I wasn't a fan of that uh, Rubber Suit Monster movies, but this one is actually pretty what? fun. Yeah, I don't like Rubber Suit Monster movies. Oh, I love them. I like, uh, I, I like um, creatures that are blown up, like bunnies and spiders that look bigger. Because it's like, they, you know, that like Tarantula and Night of Lepus and stuff like that. So you're like the farm film report guys blowed up real good. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of rubber suits. I'm not a fan of Godzilla or anything like that. So, um, Oh my God. I really liked horror, uh, a party beach. It was a lot of fun. It's very comical. It's absolutely insane. Um, 
Is this because the horrors of Spider Island? I've never seen that. Should I? Fair. I mean, they did on Mystery Science Theater, so you're probably okay. I like it. Uh, see, I don't watch Mystery Science Theater. Half... I fucking despise it, actually, if you want to get personal. I don't like I like if I want to watch a movie and enjoy it for its goofiness, I'll watch it with a group of friends and make my own laughs and jokes. I don't need to cool, people. Brad. Some of us don't have groups of friends, so we need robots and spaceships. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Um, one that I was very happy that it was on Blu-ray. It's just because uh, I'm not a big nostalgia person because I don't believe in liking a movie just because I liked it when I was a kid, like Three Ninjas, Knuckle Up, or High Noon at Mega Mountain. Uh, those <laughs> movies suck. Uh, they were great when I was little, but I watch them now and they're just awful. Well, there was a move. There's a couple that sneak in there that I still enjoy. Why the Navigator? I think is still. I don't like that. Okay, what about Prehysteria? That that's just what I'm, came out. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so Prehysteria yeah! just came out on Blu-ray. <laughs> um, I like all the Prehysteria movies, even the one at the golf course, which is, I think, three. Um, but uh, <laughs> How many are there? There's three, just three. Okay. <laughs> um, but Prehysteria is just... It's, jump back to Last Action Hero with Austin O'Brien. Um, but it's, it's funny because Prehysteria is funny, um, it's cute, whatever. It's just a fun little kids movie. But what's crazy is that Charles Band actually did it. Um, so I love that he did a whole line of kids movies. Yeah, with Moonbeam. Yeah, yeah. With Moonbeam, he started doing kids movies, and him and his brother um, did it. So yeah, it's that's just what he did with Moonbeam Entertainment, and it became Full Moon. So yeah, Moonbeam was uh, they did a bunch of kids movies. So, anyways, uh, they did this, which is the first time on Blu-ray. Um, I don't really believe all the crazy shit that they say they do in restorations, because Full Moon's a bunch of uh, crooks. Um, but the Blu-ray. Hey, actually... I bought a lot of big box VHSs from them, and they're legit. Yeah, they're from definitely from uh, <laughs> a couple years ago. Um... I can smell the eighties. <laughs> Are they yellow? Don't think so. Um, but, uh, yeah, they say the transfer taken from the original 3D camera negative. It looks good, but I'm also basing that off. This is the first time the Prehysteria has been on any format other than VHS. But it's cheap, so it's fine. Um, yeah, and I think I will end maybe with that and see what you have last. Okay, I will uh, pick something that I probably shouldn't because people are very passionate about these movies Uh-oh. and they're studied, which is interesting. The Matrix? And I had, I don't even know if I had heard of them before this box set was released. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, I am, I'm admitting a lot. I'm opening myself up to a lot of criticism here and is... The Blood Island Collection from Severin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those movies are all right. Yeah, um, it's... Studied? No, if you dive into the extras here, wow, people are into them. And it is interesting when you learn about the background of the filmmakers and 
how much they got away with where there's like no way a ratings board actually looked at these. They're like, oh, they're from a different country. Cool. Let's just put them through. And uh, maybe they should have looked at them. But it's just looking at it, it has that kind of pulpy, gruesome, like pretty buxom lady with like corpses tearing their heads off. And I'm such a sucker for that. And most of the time it's, it's a smoke show. It's just nothing like that. But these movies actually look like they're some of the very few movies that look like they're super colorful, wonderful, weird, gory posters. Um, Except for Terrorism Man, which is black and white. The rest of them are like technicolor, gory, insanity. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. I I don't think I'm going to spend years studying them. I'm, I don't think I'm going to join that group. Uh, but I, it, it, it's been a really fun ride. I think this will probably become like a big summer horror movie rotation for me. Yeah, yeah Terrorism I mean, Man, Brides of Blood, Mad Doctor of Blood Island, and Beast of Blood. I think Beast of Blood. They're all blood by uh, Romero, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good old Eddie. Yeah, he's uh, he's done some crazy fucking movies in his life. Did he? He? But he's done. I didn't know he did each one though. Right. Yeah, he. Um, he didn't direct Terrorism as a man, but he was one of the producers. And then after that, he either worked with other people or like the last one he directed and produced himself. Is, um, so is beast of the yellow Knight in that set. Is that one of those blood Island movies or is that my, no, it's Terrorism as a man, brides of blood, mad doctor of blood Island and beast of blood. Oh, Okay. I like Beast of the Yellow Knight. That's one of my favorites by him. That, that's not helpful to this, but okay. Oh. Well, that, I will give you a little tidbit record. information. In Wayne's world, Garth actually mm -hmm. has a Beast of Yellow Knight poster in his bedroom. What? Yeah, if you... Those movies get better all the time. The deep cuts. But, yeah, I actually haven't picked that set up. I think I've seen... I don't think I've seen Terror's a Man... But I've seen the other Romero movies, so he's yeah, no, nah, it, it, it's a blast. He's got some, he's got some hell of some fucking movies too. So, is there because he he died just a few years ago? Is there any like commentaries with him? Because they did release all those on like DVD, like bootlegs, but I don't think they did anything. Yeah, there's um, interviews. Um, there's archival interviews, newer interviews. The commentaries are with, uh, like film historians. Though. Yeah. I didn't know those movies are studied. It is, you know, I, I knew, I know they have a, I thought it was just a small fan base, but I guess it's bigger than. No, they're really, I mean, it might be small, but they're incredibly passionate. That fucking and box set sold out quick. You can still get on Amazon right now. What? But off their website, yeah, it did. Well, I will probably grab that box set because I have not picked that up. So. Well, I know you're running low on movies to watch, so you definitely should. Oh, God, I'm going to get yelled at if I purchase that. It'll be worth it, though. 
Yeah, I can't wait because, like, right now, if people uh, don't know, I'm living um, in an apartment uh, while we're getting a house, um, and there's no room for anything. <laughs> you sound so bad. Well, I'm trying to talk quiet enough so Janice doesn't hear me, um, and I have so many movies; it's ridiculous. Like our dining room table is just right now. Huh? Are they just in boxes right now? No, no, because that would be too inconvenient. Um, They're just all stacked up. So like I have shelves and then I have the movies stacked on the shelves and they're actually touching the ceiling. Okay, please post a picture. No, no, it looks awful. Okay, well, just just send it to me then. All right, we'll do. Okay, well, I I think we covered a good mix here. Yeah, yeah, I think we got plenty of uh, plenty of movies that we covered. Um, and uh, yeah, was there was there anything that really stood out for you as far as like uh, Blu-ray releases for 2018? I know you did a you did a show with Brian about it. Yeah, I covered a lot there, like um, Female Troubles. I mean, John Waters is always going to be the biggest release for me. It's been Okay, like, I'll get into it a little bit. Like, the whole physical media is dying thing. You can't really argue with that. But it it seems like all of the more esoteric stuff, horror, cult movies, B-movies, even probably more obscure classic films are ramping up. And I think that's going to be all that's left in, like, the coming years are just very specific releases for just crazy movie people who put a lot of importance on owning everything. So I, I've just been looking back on this year. So, or 2018 so much, and it was nuts. And I'm not saying that like, wow, guys, it's a great time to be a collector's so many great things to spend your money on. It's really overwhelming. Like, no, it is. Yeah. Well, it's just so much is coming out and new stuff, too. Like, uh, I actually had that conversation um, with some with some friends of mine. Um, and I was actually talking to uh, John Squires off of um, Bloody Disgusting is that I'm seriously, like, into this stuff. I work yeah. for distribution companies. I watch new stuff. I work for festivals. I go to festivals. And I'm so fucking overwhelmed and behind. Like I just look at like new releases on on demand, and I'm like, "Where? Like, what are these movies? Like, there's just so much." And I'm I I I watch about three or four movies a day, and I'm so behind even on older stuff. Like, there's older movies all the time that pop up, and I'm just like, "All right, I gotta watch that." I don't even have a watch list because it would just be stupid. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So if if we are somehow in lean times, which I think that's said by people who aren't really in it, they're kind of glossing over it. They're like, oh, streaming technology, that means everything else is dying out. Man, I if this is famine, I don't know what I would do during a feast. Yeah. Because I'm like, I am behind. And I'm pretty good at getting movies. <laughs> I honestly think there needs to be like five years where no one makes one movie. 
yeah. so we can play catch you up. You can write them. You can refine your ideas. Yeah, but... let's everybody take a break. Make your scripts better than they are. And then we'll go into production. And it just gives me some time to play catch up. Because if I literally had five years <laughs> with no new movies coming out, I would I would definitely be caught up. And I've started young, man. I, I, I started being obsessed with movies at a very young age. So I've seen a lot of stuff, but like it I like I wanna jump through the screen and punch people in the face when they're like, There's nothing to watch. I'm like, I wish like oh, I could no. have that mindset. Of like, oh, yeah, same with, there's no new music, there aren't any books. It's like, it's like are <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> there's nothing anymore to watch, bitch. It's not immediately put in front of me, it's not there. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like a total dick, but I've seen a hundred <laughs> times as more movies of you, and I'm so fucking behind. There's so much shit I want to watch. I wish I could have the mentality of thinking that. So I no, you don't, they're not happy. No, they're not. Just watch it's better creep. to be overwhelmed by Just watch art Creep Show and... again on your $50,000 Blu-ray. I'll watch some Eddie Romero Hey, that Creep Show was a good release. But I, I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm just, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> you just hate Scream Factory now. It's fine, I guess. No, you know what? Since we're talking about Scream Factory, since you brought it up, what was really funny is like they had some kick-ass announcements recently. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. they're digging in deep, and then they fucking ruined it by announcing Green Inferno. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, they announced that today, right? Yeah, I they think they. I think the whole Eli Roth signing was like the first time they've done anything like that. But it sold out already. People are like, wow, what a dumb gimmick. And it sold out the first day. So it's, it's screen, here's the thing. Is screen Factory is a big corporation. They are the most notable name in this industry, even more than Vinegar Syndrome, Arrow. Um, oh, everybody yeah. thinks Scream Factory's first, which is fine. I mean, they've done a lot of work and they deserve it. I don't, I don't hate Scream Factory. I just don't like how they kind of treat people. So... Um, Oh shit. We missed this. Did you see this? What? They're doing um the Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi collection? No, I saw that. I'm I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, Black Cat the Rave. All right, fuck it. They're allowed to have uh Green Inferno. But yeah, they had no, they had the Brain recently. Um Yeah. Well, they had no, Brave the Green Vampire. Inferno if you're giving me all that. Yeah, That's oh, right. Superstition was another one that they uh, they announced. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine. They are digging deeper. I mean, I think we just have our shit with Screen Factory because they were being assholes to us. But, um, I mean, a lot of people are not on the Screen Factory train. But at least they're trying to, I guess, mm -hmm. make up for it with some of these cool releases. So, But, I mean, they worked hard. It's, it's well-deserved. It's a big corporation. But, um, yeah. And Obsessions coming out, like, next week. Which Arrow has. I think I have that on the Arrow Blu-ray, though. Do they? Because I tried finding it, and I couldn't. But anyway, I don't okay, own I it, think. so. I don't know, man. We only have so much time. We only have so much money. So, factoring that in, yeah, there's just an endless amount, so... Don't yeah. be one of those dudes complaining. There's nothing to watch. No, no. You're just bad at decision making and you're lazy. It's you. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing is, I think a lot of people just don't like to branch out and and um, 
And it, here's the most beautiful thing is uh, when I started going to South by Southwest in Austin, um, the uh, Janet, um, I can't think of her last name, Janet Pearson. She's a director of South by. She's been a director of South by for great, uh, for many years. So it's great to see a woman, you know, as the lead in a, in a festival. And she said something that really stuck with me. And I do it. I do it automatically. But it really stuck with me because I was like, yes, that's what I've been saying for fucking years. Is she said, ignore some of the, she She's just out there. She's like, ignore the bigger movies. Ignore reading about them. Just take a chance. Like, go into something and not know anything about it. And I'm like, exactly. Because there's so many movies out there that you just, you read the synopsis and you're like, oh, it doesn't sound interesting. Fuck it, just hit play. You know? I do find amazing gems that way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was like, that's how I found Pickings. You know, it turned out to yeah. be, and uh, uh, Vincente was another one of my top 20 that that came out that just I got that in the mail and I was like oh what's this and it turned out to be a beautiful movie um heartbreaking but beautiful um so yeah it's just you got to take a chance and sometimes some of my favorite films of the festival are the ones I know nothing about so you know so ignore everything telling you what to watch except for screencast cuz we have your best interests at heart it's true. I, I feel, you know, it's the one thing that this show has done is that we started off just doing Screen Factory stuff, but I'm, I'm glad all that happened because I want to talk about other stuff. I want to talk about, you know, like the one episode with uh, Drew uh, uh, Marvick when we did Pool Party Massacre. I talked about young girls of Rochefort for like 15 minutes. Woo, Vegas represent. Um, Sorry, I have to throw that in there. No, I know. Um <laughs> I'm well, I'm going after a Las Vegas movie for Vinegar Syndrome. I can't talk about the title, but I'll text you. Thank you. With that that picture of the movie. Oh, Jesus. Dad. I'm only going to send you a section. You know what? You never sent me the pictures of your dad, so I don't expect anything. Oh. Well, didn't I show you the video? Didn't I like put the videos of them? No, you me talked on Halloween? up his gnashiness and nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, I'll have to send pictures when he's uh, younger and a little bit more fit. Okay. So um, let's just end this. I can't believe it's two hours. I thought this would be shorter. Yeah. Where you wanted to talk about my dad? So. Wow. Send me pictures yeah, of your that shirtless took up the dad. Bulk of the time. <laughs> send me pics of your shirtless dad. Um, that was like a year ago. I've been very patient. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, I know. I so. did too until now, to be fair. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you for letting us ramble for two hours about movies. And um, maybe we'll do it again. Maybe Sean will ruin it next time. So we will see. Go watch some movies. Yes. All right. Um, thank you for sponsors. And sponsors that do this voiceover stuff for Sean, uh, Tales from the Crypt stuff, and writings from Stephanie, my bullshit, Club Scum, Coffee Shop of Horrors, Kevin Spencer, Wolfman of Mars, anybody that has contributed to the Screamcast, thank you. Good night. Good night.